Welcome to the Indoor AirPod, a show dedicated to our shared surroundings with industry heavyweights that are dedicated to designing, developing, manufacturing, and disrupting the status quo in order to make all our spaces cleaner and safer for everyone. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Indoor AirPod. I'm Gary Moody, the host. My guest today is Jake. Feldman, he's the Vice President General Manager uh, of IAQ with Modine Manufacturing. Also sitting in today with us is J.B. Anderson, the producer. Uh, Jake, great to have you. Gary, thanks for having me on the show. Excited to talk IAQ with you. Yeah, we, we appreciate it very much. Jake, before we talk about your role with your company and what your company does, uh, why don't you share some of your background, your career path to date? Yeah, no, no problem. Uh, yeah, I spent my career largely working in industrial manufacturing and the test and measurement industries. I have a background in manufacturing and supply chain management. Uh, I've been fortunate to work for some really great companies in my career, including Modine Manufacturing, uh, where I've had the pleasure of serving as the vice president and general manager of IAQ for the last two and a half years. Okay. Re regarding uh Modine, why don't you share? First of all, I know the Modine brand. It's a fantastic company in business 100 years. Why don't you give an overview of, of what your company is all about for those that are listening that don't know, really know much, if anything, about your company? Sure. So Modine is a $2.1 billion diversified industrial company. Uh, we've been designing and manufacturing thermal transfer products for well over 100 years. Uh, since 1916, we've been proudly headquartered in Racine, Wisconsin. We have over 11,000 employees worldwide, focusing on a number of different industries, including heating and cooling, data centers, industrial refrigeration, and heavy-duty vehicles. Uh, Modine is organized into two different segments. We have our climate solutions team and performance technologies, uh, both of which support our purpose of engineering a cleaner and healthier world. And at the very top of our mission statement is to improve indoor air quality. Um, Modine uses the 80-20 principles across all facets of our organization, uh, which allows us to drive growth and innovation uh, and ultimately create the most value for our customers. As VP and general manager of IAQ, uh, it's my job to ensure we're meeting and exceeding customer expectations, whether that's in the K through 12 schools or you know, commercial and industrial buildings. Uh, our, our team really focuses on the core principles of ventilation, dehumidification, and filtration uh, to provide optimal IQ. And lastly, you know, we're a business that's becoming increasingly acquisitive. Uh, earlier this year, we announced you know, the acquisition of NAPS technology and their line of Jetson modular heat pump chillers, uh, which has been a great complement to our Airedale brand of products, uh, including our single package you know, ventilators and cassettes. And so my goal is ultimately to make Modine the go-to manufacturer in the K through 12 and commercial industrial space. Okay. Regarding the HVAC industry, do you, is one way you go to market is through the HVAC distributor sales channel? Yeah, we have a lot of great manufacturing rep partners throughout the country. Uh, the Airedale brand has been in the U.S. since uh, Modine acquired uh, in 2005. And so... We have uh, tens of thousands of units across classrooms, uh, largely going through uh, the, the manufacturing reps across the country. Okay. 
Regarding HVAC contractor IAQ training, is that something that, that you and your IAQ team does? Yeah, we do educate uh, for our manufacturing reps and for our contracting partners uh, doing startups and service in the field. Uh, that's one of the areas I know you've talked about a lot on the show of where uh, the amount of technicians available in the industry is continuing to get you know more and more challenging to find uh, the right uh, qualified and and enough uh, technical support in the field. And so I think like a lot of other manufacturers, we're investing uh, in those that work with our product on a regular basis uh, and building that skill sets uh, internally and externally in the market. Okay. Regarding the upcoming year, first of all, has 2023 been a, a reasonably good or hopefully a great year for your company? Uh, how would you assess it right now since we're coming up on 2024? Yeah, you know, the last few years have been really great, uh, not only for Modine, but specifically in the indoor air quality business. Uh, a big portion of what we focus on in IAQ is in that K through 12 space. And so there's been an unprecedented amount of federal funding that's become available for schools and districts to use uh, over these last few years to upgrade uh, their existing systems, in some cases put HVAC systems in place for the first time. And so we're definitely seeing you know, a, a lot more uh, movement in the markets uh, specifically around uh, that K through 12 space. Okay, Re regarding uh, 2024, you probably have a few products that you're going to be launching. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think I heard about one that's fairly recently been launched. Is it the Amp Dog? Yeah, so the Amp Dog is actually one of our products that falls into our heating vertical at Modine. Uh, but it's been awesome to watch that product come to life over the last uh, couple of years. You know, for decades, and it, it still rings true today, uh, the Modine gas-fired unit heater has been on the market uh, and been the leader in residential uh, heating. And so the AmpDog is another great example of how Modine is continuing to be a leader in the electrification movement and embrace you know, the positive changes happening in our industry. And so I think you'll see other manufacturers you know, continue to follow suit as that you know, becomes a more uh, comfortable trend uh, for consumers and more regulation driving electrification. Regarding your uh, your company, do you provide any sort of uh, consulting services in-house, uh, for example, in the indoor air quality assessments? If somebody owns a building, could they, you know, is that a service you offer? It's not a service that we offer directly today, but we certainly partner uh, with a lot of our reps that do do that. And so we'll go on sites uh, with them to evaluate uh, the equipment. Uh, we have a number of case studies uh, that are available on our websites documenting the energy efficiency savings that a lot of our customers have uh, benefited from uh, by using the Modine and, and Airedale products. And so it's one of those where we'll continue to you know, support uh, as that becomes you know, more important for, especially in schools, uh, where that capital investment can be tough to, to justify or come by. And having those surveys up front you know, allow districts to become more confident that uh, their capital investments will pay off. Regarding indoor air quality monitoring, is that something your company's focused on now? Uh, and do you think, where do you think it'll be, say, five years from now? Do you think most, it'll be just very, very common in buildings? I do. I think, generally speaking, you know, people's expectations around transparency and IAQ monitoring is continuing to, to grow. Uh, because of that, 
you know, the demand for more remote monitoring and predictive maintenance tools will also grow as that demand increases. And so it's almost too easy nowadays to receive information and data, you know, based on the technology that we have available to us. Uh, most sensors these days are relatively cheap. And so you know, the HVAC industry is not inventing remote monitoring. I think in a lot of ways we're playing catch up to other industries like utilities and energy, healthcare, manufacturing or telecom. And so it's not necessarily a capability issue, it's an awareness issue and it's a willingness to prioritize that investment. And so I think once more people continue to understand the key metrics, how it impacts their daily life and knows what good looks like, uh, it will become more of a you know, expectation to display and report that type of data, whether that's in classrooms or office buildings or even at home. Uh, Jake, this is JB here. Um, I'd like to add a part B to that question. <clears throat> Specifically, um, I think everybody that we've had on the show is in agreement that monitoring is going to accelerate, uh, both visibly in the in the public space and the private space, et cetera. But what's your thoughts on having a litmus, having a, a benchmark, having some type of code or uh, standardization when it comes to actually understanding what those numbers mean on the monitors um, as far as what is good or bad as opposed to just a green, yellow, and a red display telling you, uh-oh, something's wrong, such as ASHRAE 241, et cetera. Where, where do those two things go hand in hand in your opinion? Yeah, I, I think a good first step, like you said, is you know, that you have that sort of stoplight approach of a red, yellow, green from a monitoring system that gives people confidence that you know, their systems are, are working. And then that next question is, what does good look like? And so I think there will continue to be more regulation at the federal and state level defining what quality IAQ means uh, in different applications. And so those metrics will start to become more commonplace, uh, but it's gonna take there being some regulation in the industry uh, for that to become mandatory. Otherwise, I think that that's you know, more of a, a nice to have until people can understand the full impact of what that can mean for their daily lives. We, we both know, Jake, that uh, indoor air quality monitoring is, uh, it sounds simple on the surface, and as we both know, the public primarily are laypersons. I think the public's going to demand to know what's in the air inside public buildings, schools, for example. But then you get into the, the uh, quality of the technology. And then, as you pointed out, you know, who's interpreting that technology, you know, the, the metrics. And then, of course, what actions need to be taken place, uh, you know, if and when warranted. Yeah. Leads me leads me to one metric, and, and you probably are well aware of this. There seems like there's a lot of differences of opinions regarding carbon dioxide inside uh, buildings or homes as to, you know, is it just a proxy? Yeah, but, you know, is there a lot more to it? What, what are your thoughts about that particular metric? Yeah, I think that's one of the metrics we've all grown up on where you have a CO2 monitor in our home and we just, you know, sort of expect that uh, as, you know, an indicator of, of health. And so I think that that's one of the many you know, critical factors within IAQ uh, that will continue to be you know, expected by consumers. Uh, and then again, moving outside of you know, the residential space uh, into more commercial 
no applications. Uh, but I, I definitely think that that's a great example of where we've come to sort of expect that that's something that's being monitored, um, maybe not on a visual screen, but certainly in, in an alarm uh, scenario. And so, uh, you know, that may look very different in, in terms of how we display that, but uh, a critical one for us going forward. Do, do you think in the long range also that outdoor air quality monitoring at the local level someday will work in tandem with IAQ monitoring? at the local level. Do you think that day's all that far off? Or first of all, do you think that's gonna happen? And secondly, you know, is that gonna occur maybe in the next couple to five years? I would say it needs to happen, you know, over time for the industry to really you know, provide the most efficient and impactful solutions around ventilation. Um, in the next two to five years, you know, I don't know that it's gonna be fully implemented at, at that point, but certainly there's, you know, a lot of indoor air quality that's impacted by the poor outdoor air quality. Uh, we've seen that trend, you know, especially over these past two years with the rise of wildfires across the country. And so we see a lot of schools that historically were used to just opening windows in, you know, those, those months that don't have the ability to do that anymore. And so, you know, that's where I think, like you said, the monitoring between indoor and outdoor have to work together uh, in order to you know, make sure that we're investing in the right uh, indoor uh, systems. You bet. Wildfire smoke is, is, is that particular terrible pollutant, is that going to be part of your future designs uh, taken into very serious consideration about, you know, how do you, how does anybody deal with that most effectively? Absolutely. And one of the things that we've done over this past years, we offer a, a needlepoint bipolar ionization module uh, for our classroom units. And the company that we partner with is an expert in that technology. Uh, the, the units have been validated by third-party results, certified as ozone-free. And so we actually offer uh, free needlepoint bipolar ionization modules to those districts impacted by wildfires over this past year. Uh, largely because we know that the effectiveness of capturing those particular particles was much higher with that technology. And so you know, we'll continue to promote that in that space. Uh, but that is certainly an area where I don't think, you know, anyone can ignore that that's a trend that will continue, sadly, you know, over the next yeah. you know, few years. Yeah. Which of the following three buildings, Jake, would you venture a guess that in general has the worst indoor air quality, schools, hospitals, or nursing homes? Well, I will, I'll tell you in schools, there's a lot of unique uh, you know, factors impacting IAQ that aren't necessarily you know, applicable in other spaces. Uh, even though square footage of the buildings may be relatively similar, the age of the occupants often skews a lot lower where they're more susceptible to airborne disease. Uh, there's risk of with rooftop ventilation where if it's not contained by classroom, uh, that that could spread more easily. And so there's a lot of unique factors uh, within schools. And I would say that's where we focus a lot of our time is to provide solutions that you know, are specifically designed uh, for the classroom settings based on some of those unique uh, attributes. Uh, that also includes, you know, the difference of a uh, science lab and an art room have very different ventilation needs than a, say, quote, regular classroom. 
And so that's our focus is on those SPVUs that are really designed to prevent that cross-contamination and give teachers the ability to create you know, different comfort cooling environments in addition to providing quality ventilation. You bet. Our, our schools are crumbling, the infrastructure that is, and that's not to say everyone is in the same shape, but you know, it's time that, you know, I, I think it would be in everybody's best interest across the U.S. is to have a long-term rebuild plan for our schools in general. Uh, Regarding hotels, have you ever stayed in a hotel and really, com really confident that the indoor air quality was was safe and healthy? You know, it's it's one of those that, uh, yeah, depending where you stay, and, and I've stayed in in another year <laughs> that, uh, yeah, you do call that into question uh, at different times. And so, you know, I think again, that's that's one of those expectations that as consumers, you do, will start to demand that in terms of where they stay. Uh, there's some you know, really interesting data out there around where people are choosing to stay based on the quality of the air in the hotels. And so I think that that goes for not only the hotel industry, but also for schools. And as parents and families have more choice in where to send their students, uh, if IAQ is poor, that could certainly impact you know, the decision on you know, where a child goes uh, to school. You bet. Hotels, uh, hotels that have never had on their radar, uh, you know, healthy indoor air quality, which leads me to this, Jake. Uh, it's not widely reported in the mainstream news about Legionnaire's disease. Uh, what are your thoughts about Legionnaire's disease? Uh, for those that are listening, it's uh, large buildings have complex water systems and hotels come to mind, as you know, Jake. Uh, what are your thoughts? Do you think it's a lot more common? And do you think someday it will be mandatory across America for large buildings with complex water systems to have a very stringent water quality monitoring uh, program in place and also water quality testing periodically, whether it would be quarterly or what have you? So, Gary, I'm not an expert in Legionnaire's disease, and so I'll probably defer on the, the size question there. But I do have experience actually working in the water quality industry and you know, particularly in, in drinking waters and in, in building applications where, again, that's one of the industries that I think is leading in terms of you know, the air quality space today a lot more regulation about what monitoring is required and reported. And I think that's a great example for where the air quality industry is going, where we're moving from recommendations into regulation. And so I think that that's one that will continue to evolve and will benchmark uh, as an IAQ industry. Okay, well, I, we discussed schools and, and hotels, obviously. What, what's your thought about the elderly that are most vulnerable to indoor air quality. Uh, there's, I think there's roughly 18,000 nursing homes in America. I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm, I'm pretty certain that there's more nursing homes in America than there are hospitals. Uh, first of all, does, does your company, do you do any work with nursing homes? Uh, you know, either way, great. Uh, secondly, what are your thoughts about the elderly? and in nursing homes, the population is aging and that industry is definitely gonna be growing. Yeah, absolutely. We've actually seen a number of our customers and the engineers that we work with utilize our single package unit ventilators in those type of 
uh, environments uh, caring for the elderly, largely because having individual ventilation units in each room prevents that cross-contamination. And so I think that that type of technology will continue to evolve, you know, in, uh, in elderly care. Uh, but that is definitely an area where we've seen classroom units that were historically used just for that application start to be used in you know other related scenarios where you're really just focused on making sure that you know everyone is safe within their individual spaces and that if there is uh, you know a unit that goes down it's not impacting an entire building or an entire wing uh, but it's ensuring that the remaining population is staying safe and has healthy air to breathe if there's any type of building that should have mandatory IAQ monitoring it, it, it should start with either schools or nursing homes or both and then maybe hotels would come in a close third whatever the case is Jake, there's over 300,000 businesses in America that lease commercial business space. And I've never been in that particular line of work, but my guess is that uh, the vast majority, if not 100% of the tenants did not design and install the HVAC system. That, that may be an untapped market for somebody to go after. I think roughly of the 300,000 plus commercial businesses, I think about 40%, if I'm not mistaken, are office, is for office. And I, you know, that that particular segment of the real estate industry has been hurt really bad. Uh, do you have any plans to try and get involved with that? Or are you already, I mean, there's major companies after that are involved with commercial real estate in a big, big way. Yeah, we are absolutely involved in that commercial space today. As I mentioned, the Jetson line of modular chillers that we recently acquired is you know, largely utilized in the commercial industrial space. Uh, we have a large and growing section of our business around data centers, and that may not always be you know, hyperscale data centers, but could also be smaller data centers within uh, you know, larger commercial buildings. And so I think that that is an area that's like you said, untapped in the sense of there hasn't been that investment historically. Uh, you see lots of companies that are choosing uh, where they set up uh, their offices to be based on what is the IAQ investment in that space. And then additionally, we've seen some recent trends, uh, particularly in, in California, uh, where the California OSHA uh, department mandated uh, around protecting indoor workers from heat illness. And so we'll start to see whether that's in the factory setting or in uh, commercial buildings, a requirement to protect uh, employees indoors uh, from those rising temperatures um, ex externally. And so I think that that's uh, a combination that will continue to drive you know, more focus towards those commercial spaces. Where do you think uh, in five years, where do you think the industry trends will be heading? Uh, you kind of commented on it earlier that you think everything's going to be about data indoors. Uh, a month or so ago, I think it was the it was the Biden administration and something like 25 U.S. governors said that they want 20 million heat pumps installed by 2030. Not we would like we we would want. Uh, your your company's heavily involved in heat pumps. Uh, what are your thoughts about what's going on, the heat pump movement? Uh, where do you think that's going to end up here in the next five years? Yeah, we are 
big advocates for heat pumps. Uh, we've offered them uh, for several years on our classroom units. The modular chillers uh, have an extensive heat pump offering as well. Uh, but I think a lot of the incentives that have been out there today have been targeting residential space and less on the commercial side. I'll say that shift is trending as we see more incentives at the federal level for heat pump manufacturers to increase their capacity and invest in that technology. So I think in the right application and the environments, they can be extremely effective. Uh, sometimes those technologies early on get a bad rap, uh, particularly in residential. If somebody is choosing to install that purely for the tax rebate and not you know, the application or making sure it's the right fit for what they're looking to do. And so I think as the education and the awareness continues to rise, you'll continue to see more heat pumps and other you know, systems such as ERVs that you know, will be more commonplace as people are driving for uh, lower utilities, energy reduction, and decarbonization. You bet. The public, we both know, needs educated, not just on IAQ, but most people I speak with, uh, they, they know very little, understandably, about what a heat pump is, how it works. And of course, if it's 90 degrees out in summer, in the summer, why would anybody want a heat pump that didn't understand the technology? Jake, you're in Denver, Colorado, and as I recall, uh, I think roughly half of the homes, of the homes and buildings are potentially at risk regarding radon. What are, what are your thoughts about radon? And what are you hearing at the local level? Yeah, you know, Gary, that's a, an area that's yeah, not the, too much hands-on experience with. That's not a, a topic that we, we focus on a lot at Modine, but uh, certainly as you know, as a homeowner and, you know, is uh, protecting our, our family, uh, something that's, you know, we'll continue to, to monitor. Uh, but uh, I'd say that's, it's not a focus right now for, uh, for Modine. Hey guys, I'm going to chime in here real quick. If you don't mind, Jake, I've been kind of uh, obviously listening to your responses in through both your personal lens as well as Modine's lens and then kind of reviewing Modine, um, your business units, you know, because it's, it's super impressive. You guys, HVAC, commercial electric, data centers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I have a question about behind the curtain a little bit. Um, I love the whiteboard world. And so my question to you is this, with, with such massive business segments within the Modine uh, brand, how do you guys approach from a mission statement, from a moral uh, compass, um, across those lines when it comes to air quality, not just indoor air quality, because a lot of the other business segments produce a lot of energy, a lot of heat, a lot of things. Where where does the connectivity come within Modine to prioritize overall air quality between the business sectors? It's a great question. And one of the, the great things that you know Modine has focused on is you know, decentralizing our business so that we can focus on different end markets. One of the common cores that drives all of our teams is that overarching theme around technology. And so we are always collaborating with each other around uh, advancements in our own products, uh, in products that we'd like to add and develop uh, internally. And so our shared purpose of engineering a cleaner, healthier world 
is ultimately what, what drives us and, and brings us together. And so with IAQ being the first bullet in our mission statement, uh, it's always top of mind for all of our verticals, uh, whether that's in IAQ, whether that's in heating or data centers, or even in the performance technology side that is more largely focused on automotive. And so you know, there's a, a common core here uh, between all of our business units that's focused on indoor air quality and you know, essentially doing as much as we can uh, for the environment. Great. You've got a young family, as I understand. Uh, what do you do in your home? You've got IAQ monitoring in place, or you, uh, you know, what's, what can you share with us? Yeah, so we we absolutely have uh, indoor monitoring uh, as a combination of curiosity and testing out, uh, you know, some different uh, technology that's out there, uh, but also you know, testing different. Uh, portable solutions as well. That's, I know in the school system, you know, have been uh, controversial. It's not something that uh, we utilize, you know, when you have the option to install, uh, you know, more permanent solutions. Uh, but in homes where you have specific rooms that don't have, uh, you know, maybe the, the right venting uh, to do something more permanent, uh, just sort of playing around with, uh, you know, what has the most uh, positive impact uh, within our within our home, you, you had a not just you in Colorado, but over a hundred million people were exposed to uh, you know wildfire smoke. How often did you look at your filter back this summer when the smoke was coming in, and it just seemed like it wouldn't wouldn't go away and it was yeah. going to be there forever? How many how many times did you actually look at it versus how many times did your wife ask you to look at it? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're both advocates of IAQ. I'll <laughs> say that, and I'll say in Denver, where you know the city's been impacted by wildfires longer than other regions, uh, it's just become more commonplace for us to check that on a, a monthly basis, just for that self, you know, confidence that uh, we're breathing in clean air at home. And so, I think you know we're a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, on the right cadence in terms of checking that. Uh, I know something you've talked a lot about, Gary, is you know whether we have a, a filter change issue, you know, across the country, and I think largely that that's true. Uh, we see that in classrooms that we go into uh, that are maybe short on resources or funding to do that. Uh, but that is something you know within the home where you have the option uh, to be maybe more proactive and kind of understand uh, the environment. Uh, you do those things to protect your health and, and your family's health. You bet. If somebody asked you for your definition, Jake, of what clean indoor air is, what what would you say? Yeah, you know, I I think to me, quality indoor air is making sure that people, processes, and things operate at their optimum performance. And so the impact on poor IQ uh, is sometimes unknown in terms of how it's you know, us from a day-to-day -day perspective. And so I think if we could focus on making sure that everyone is reaching their full potential and making sure that IQ is not a deterrent and whether somebody has certain opportunities or not, uh, that to me is what good IQ will look like uh, in our industry and, and for you know, our communities. You bet. Uh, back in, I think it was October 29th, CBS 60 Minutes did a segment very rare on 
the air we breathe, so if it was about the air we breathe indoors. Did you see that? And if you did, what were what are your thoughts about it? I did see that. I actually had, had our team uh, make sure that that we watched that uh, after it was released. Again, I think it's just a great example of how this is becoming part of the mainstream discussion right now. And so the fact that it's a 60 minutes segment, uh, the same way that we see you know, articles and journals in HBR and uh, NPR and in the you know, mainstream news outlets uh, is just all positive momentum for the industry. And so I think as people become more aware of the impact is something else to think about in terms of cause and effect in other parts of, of our daily life. Uh, I think what you're doing to bring awareness uh, to the space is, is fantastic. And I would expect that that continues to have more impact and you know, more coverage in our news outlets. And that's what J.B. Anderson and I want to attempt to accomplish also in part with the indoor AirPod is simply to draw attention to this extraordinarily complicated subject. Jake, we're, we're running low on time. Where can people find you on social media? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. I encourage everyone to follow the Modine IQ LinkedIn page as well. There's a lot of great updates and newsletters around uh, industry trends, uh, product development. Uh, and then you can learn more about our products, uh, specifically around IQ and in schools at modinehvac.com. I, I have a parting question for you, Jake. Uh, you're a good Michigan boy, uh, Spartan at heart, I believe. Um, did you get on the Dion train out there? <laughs> What's that? I the answer is yes. So my wife went to see you. And so we were, uh, we're, we're big uh, football fans. And so season didn't quite end the way that it, it started, but uh, we're, we're excited for the future. <laughs> That's great. Now, and now we got the hard hitting questions out of the way. Go ahead, Gary, you can wrap yeah. us up. <laughs> just, just, Jake, we appreciate your time very much. I sure would like to have you back on in 2024 so you could update us. As we both know, uh, the IQ landscape is evolving rapidly, but, the public needs to be made more aware about this topic about, as we both know, it's a serious health threat uh, to all of us, basically. So thank you for your time, Jake. Yeah, thank you for having me on the show, Gary. It's been great to watch your platform grow over these past couple of years. I think it's a testament to your commitment to create awareness in the IAQ industry. Can't wait to see what you do next and, and would love to be back here next year. Thank, thank you, Jake. Definitely. Thank you for listening to the Indoor AirPod, produced by Gaslight STL, your podcast partner. Be sure to give our show a follow to keep up with upcoming guests and topics. And please reach out with any questions or guest suggestions. <laughs>